Hi, and welcome to the Frugal Debt-Free Life podcast. I'm your host, Lydia Sin. And eight years ago, my family and I became debt-free. And I like to talk about the ins and outs and the ups and downs of managing your personal finances because money much like life, is messy, and life rarely fits inside of a cash envelope. So if you're ready to have an honest, non-judgmental discussion about personal finances, then you have come to the right place. I am beyond thrilled today to have my friend Carly. Her Instagram account, Debt Free Mom, is one of my favorite accounts to follow. She is so inspiring. And we're going to talk about managing personal finances, living within your means, choosing contentment, all of the things. So let's just jump into the conversation. I'm so excited to have my friend Carly, debt-free mom, who I reference on here a lot. So regular listeners will now be able to put a face with the name. So thank you for coming on my show. Thank you so much for having me. You were one of my first, when I first started doing this, you were one of the first like bigger accounts that I found where I was like, she's a mom, like doing the same thing that I'm doing and still doing like a personal finance. So you've always been somebody I've referenced for like, what should I do when I'm on here? Oh, well, because you're so much better at it than me. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, you're not so, at all. It, honestly, if I could give you like five Instagram accounts to follow... <laughs> Carly's would be one of them. You go so in depth into things and I'm just like, Hey y'all open a 529 and you like go like point by point why someone might consider and all of the things to look at. And, and I'm amazed because I'm just not that smart. (laughs) I think it's just the teacher in me. I think once you become a teacher, like you just don't stop of like, okay, how can I not just like take this little thing, but how can I actually explain it so that it, like we, I, we always, you know, strive for those light bulb moments. And I Mm -hmm. hope that people are having light bulb moments when they're watching my stories. Absolutely. I do all the time. And I've been doing this forever. You know, I've been managing personal finance and then teaching people about personal finance for eight years. And I still learn stuff from you all of the time. But I I think we are all doing that because we all have, I mean, I I love that there are people that I can like look up to, but then also I can teach them stuff and it can be reciprocated as just one of the coolest parts about it. Right. That's, that's community. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me how and why you got started. Okay. So it uh, actually has nothing to do with wanting to, uh, grow an Instagram account or even really to coach personal finance and had everything to do with being a stay at home mom, being nothing like what I expected it to be. Mm -hmm. So really quick snippet of my story was that I really wanted to full-time stay home, but was not able to until right before my third son was born. So I left my part or my full-time teaching job right before my first baby was born, but then worked several part-time jobs while having baby one and baby two, um, some of it in an office, some of it from home, just kind of piecing together at, at that point in our own financial process, we were paying off our debt and then saving up our very first emergency fund while having, um, these little babies. My husband works in ministry, so no big dollars there, but we were still kind of making it happen. And I just really, really wanted to stay home full-time 
time. Um, so baby three was born. And I finally, at that point with all our debt gone, emergency fund fully funded, got to stay home full time, have no other source of income really for the first time in my adult life. Um, and that lasted about three months before I was like, I need something else. Um, so I loved that I now had the opportunity that I had the option to stay home full time, that I didn't really have that option prior, but I quickly learned about myself that I needed some other additional way to exercise my brain outside of the diapers and where's the sippy mm -hmm. cup and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that I was actually better at doing that when I had parts of my day that weren't that part of my brain and were some other part of my brain. So uh, let's see, he was probably five or six months old when I started the account and was like, okay, I'm home now all the time, have no other job. These things that I'm doing, um, I could just document. I could just start talking about the things that I'm already doing. I don't even have to do some big extra new thing. Uh, I could just share what I'm already doing. Um, and I started sharing just a little bit on my personal Instagram and pretty quickly had a few people be like, eh, not my thing. I just want to see pictures of the baby or whatever, you know? So that kind of helped me jump from uh, just having like a personal account where I also talked about money into, okay, let me make a dedicated Instagram account about this, this thing that I'm personally interested in, which was money. Um, and so at the time had no plans to monetize it really in any form, just had seen other accounts, uh, of people documenting their, you know, debt-free journey or, um, saving on groceries, how to be a frugal mm -hmm. mom, those kind of things, beginning of 2019. Um, and then started sharing a bit of, of my, pay period budget. And I know we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but started sharing a little bit about how I plan our personal finances on my pay period budget and had so many people that were like, what even is that? Uh, that, that was really what started, I would say like debt-free mom as like a company, as a business of, uh, coaching and helping other people to sit down together and say, what would it even look like to map out their finances in a pay period budget? Just like I do. So that's, that's really the origin story of it. it like I said, nothing to do with like me deciding one day that I'm going to teach people how to budget and everything to do with, I need to talk about something else besides Yes. papers and nap time schedules. Well, that, and that's how I got started on YouTube. I, I love being a mom, yep. but I kind of stumbled into being a stay at home mom with my first, we moved when he was six weeks old and it was a blessing to move because we were able to pay off all of our debt and really get this ball rolling. But I was painfully bored. <laughs> Yes. And I would sit him up in the high chair and make these little cooking videos. Like, let me show you how you can maximize your groceries this week. I only had 45 bucks because we were paying off our debt at the time. Yeah. Spend at Publix and this is what I made. And let me teach you some recipes. And then once we got out of debt, I was like, oh, well, I wonder if other moms know that you can do this. Yeah. You can pay off your debt. So I totally relate. Um, yes. to kind of stumbling into the social media, personal finance world, which sometimes feels like the wild west. Yes. But <laughs> well, and I think back on it, you know, like if you were, if you would just objectively be like, how should you start a business, um, you know, even self-employed or whatever, the way that we went about it is not what any no. business guru would have ever no. described. But if I think about it, I'm like, just like what you said, the resource I had was time. I did not mm -hmm. have the resource of money to be like, okay, here's 
even $1,000 to jumpstart a business or something. I had nothing. And so, but I did have lots of time where, you know, we were just at home playing and he would go down for a nap and I wouldn't have anything to do. And so it's like, okay, if I don't have the resource of money to pour into this, but I do have the resource of time. Social media is great in that way that it costs you $0 to -hmm. just start sharing your day. So talk to us a little, you touched on a second ago, pay period budgeting, which is kind of how we budget by paycheck. Um, But I love the way that you explain it. Yes. So it has... Um, over time kind of become like my little corner of personal mm-hmm. finance of, uh, cause not, I mean, I'm not, I'm not claiming that I'm the only one pay period budgeting. However, having a pay period budget template spreadsheet that can function for anyone, regardless of what their pay schedule is and regardless of how many, uh, debts they have or income streams they have. So what I do is budget according to, pay period. And that's whatever it means for that person. So it could be someone is paid weekly, then we're going to make one budget for each paycheck Mm -hmm. per week or each one on the 15th and the 30th or once a month. But what I kept finding was that so many budget tools basically force you to make a once a month budget, whether you are paid on the first of the month or not, um, and don't really give you an option otherwise. Um, And at face value, it doesn't really seem like there's a problem with that. You know, like our month, we have a rhythm in our life that's kind of built around the month. So it kind of makes sense. Uh, But what I was finding was that when you remove the piece of when things happen, when we get paid versus when our expenses come out, we actually kind of create this mess in our bank account because we're not tracking a very, very important component, which is when are these things happening? So in a really quick nutshell for anybody that's new to that, but kind of thinking like, Ooh, that might be me. Um, first of all, the vast majority of the United States businesses pay biweekly, meaning every other Friday or every other Thursday. Um, and so most Americans are paid in a biweekly fashion. And the second most common after biweekly is two times a month. So first and 15th, for example, um, so in a biweekly, which is what I have, all, we have always been paid. Uh, if we were to look at a month and say, okay, we are getting paid in total, we will get paid $5,000 this month, but it will come on the third and the 17th of the month. Um, and then we will have $4,000 of expenses. So therefore we have $1,000 of surplus that we can put on our debt if that's the goal we're working on right now. So we get to the first of the month. And first of all, right off the bat, we're confused because our budget has reset and it's the first of the month, but we're not paid anything on that Mm -hmm. day. So we open our bank account and it only has $25 in it because we're still closing out the previous month, basically. And we have to sit and kind of wait in this no man's land for our first paycheck to actually arrive, even though our our budget should have started on the first. Um, So that's problem number one. And then problem number two is that our budget might say we have $1,000 of surplus this month, but until we budget by pay period, we don't know if that's 
10 extra dollars during the first pay period and 990 during the second pay period, or even if there's going to be some sort of deficit during the first pay period, meaning our expenses are larger than our paycheck at the beginning of the month, and then we make up for it in this large surplus in the second half of the month. We can't identify that if we are paid um, biweekly or you know weekly or semi-monthly. We cannot identify that part of when we're going to have these budget uh, deficits and surpluses until we map out our finances according to pay period. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And it just like, if it sounds complex, but once we see it, once we actually see like, Oh, this is what's already happening in my bank account. I'm just getting a visual representation of it. Then it starts to be like, Oh, this makes so much more sense than what I was trying to do before. No. And you explain it beautifully. Um, it's so much better than the way I explain it, which is like, just don't spend your money till you get paid and then spend it. <laughs> but that is, I mean, that is the purpose of it because it helps us to be like, okay, whatever's in my bank account, this is a list of things that all have to happen with that set of dollars mm-hmm. before I get any more dollars. And and if we don't know that, that's where we start to be like, I, I like to say that, um, people tend to feel really hot and cold with their money. Uh, And when that happens, that's usually a red flag to me that that person needs to pay period budget where they have a budget and they think it's going to lay out some way. And some parts of the month, they're like, oh my gosh, we are flush with cash. We have so much extra. And then nine days later, they're like, don't buy anything. Don't touch anything. We can't afford it. And so they have this really hot and cold roller coaster with their money, which it can be calmed down by laying their finances out according to pay period and anticipating those ups and downs well in advance, not waiting until we just see them happen in our bank account. One time I heard you say, for people who have an inconsistent income to have a high-low account. So when you have a, a paycheck that's higher than expected, you put some aside so that you can cover yourself when you have a paycheck that's lower than expected. Yes. And I knew the concept. I have explained that concept, but when you put a name to it, I was like, yes, that's it. Yeah. Exactly, Carly. Yes. It's like this little rainy day fund. So anybody who has like highly variable, if they're you know paid on commission or they're hourly. So if they don't work half a day, that you know corresponds to a lower paycheck or something. Right. Um, in addition to the emergency fund that we both recommend everyone having, I also recommend having an account that is just helping you ride out the highs and lows, like you said. So it and as I think a big part of it is just the mindset. You you know you could choose to just have a larger than normal emergency fund and that would function in the same way but mentally it's it's taxing on us to be pulling money out of the account that we have labeled as our emergency fund and to feel like man my my job is causing emergencies when they're not really emergencies right so when we we name the account the with the specific purpose of helping us out when our check is a little bit lower and then refilling it when our check is a little bit higher then we feel freed up to use it because we're like yes yeah, that's the name I've put on that account. That's exactly what it's there for. I can anticipate that my job will have highs and lows. And this little, um, you know, middle account is going to kind of be a buffer between what's happening in my regular account and needing to touch my emergency fund simply because of my paycheck. So Carly, you and I kind of have similar family makeups. Well, we'd have 
identical family makeups. Yeah. Carly has three boys and a baby girl, and I have three boys and a baby girl. Um, how old is your oldest? My oldest will be seven in a couple of weeks. Oh, oh, happy birthday. My oldest is 10. So I'm, I'm a few years ahead of you because yeah. I'm an old lady. <laughs> but another thing we share, like we both live in working class households and something that you talk about a lot that I love and have put into practice is what do you call it? Um, care makes, how do you word it? Care, care creates contentment. Thank you. Thank yes. you for butchering. Yeah. So alliterations will help. Yes. Care yes. creates contentment. I love it. Um, which I have seen in my own life so many times. And my, my sister used to say to me all the time, you know, God honors contentment. Yes. Um, yep. A few years ago, before we got our new minivan, our new to us, it was used. We were driving another minivan that we bought off the side of the road from one of our neighbors. And I <laughs> Which love is the that. best place. <laughs> right. I love that van. Um, we drove it until it just could not run anymore. So, I mean, it served us well for about three years, but we had gone on a family trip and rented a Pacifica. And then I come back (laughs) to my little Hyundai Entourage with the rust on the hood. And I was like, I don't don't like this. And I found myself looking at cars and it was Father's Day weekend. And I said, nope, I'm going to go out there with a shop vac Mm -hmm. and a garbage bag. And I am going to take the seats out and we're going to restore this thing to the pristine condition that the previous owner had it before Mm -hmm. my four kids destroyed it. And it's just true. Um, So tell me a little bit about your perspective of care creates contentment. Yeah. So I think similar to what we said before with what are the resources that are available to me versus are not available to me um, in those moments when we want a different car or we want to swap out our wardrobe or whatever. Oftentimes I found myself, especially in our earlier years of paying off debt and trying to save up and also having the goal of wanting to stay home, which Mm -hmm. meant actually pursuing a decrease in income, um, was that the resource I had available to me was that I knew how to clean stuff and I knew how to fix stuff up. So whether that was grabbing furniture that someone didn't want anymore and putting, you know, $10 of paint on it and suddenly it looked new. Um, but it was like, I, I, basically got stubborn about the idea that I can create the life that I want and enjoy it on our income level. It doesn't have to come by doubling our income or by going back to work. Um, and so I just started to find that the more, a couple of things happened when I put care into something as if it was the ideal object that I actually wanted, um, was that one, I started to care about that thing because I had put time and effort into it. So just the very fact that I spent an hour, uh, you know, cleaning out the van was like, okay, now I value keeping this clean because of the time that I invested in it, whether it's the ideal van for me or not is almost beside the point at that point. Um, because I've put that time into it. Um, and then also just starting to realize that, there, I fostered a sense of um, contentment in the in the thing that I actually had because I found 
I, you, I would find that, okay, maybe my discontentment was more directed at the state of the object than the thing itself. Right. Um, so, you know, we might look at our living room and be like, I am so discontent with this living room. I want to swap out the curtains. I want to replace the couch. I want to whatever. Um, and then w- if we dig a little deeper, we realize like maybe this clutter could get put away and suddenly my, my perception of the room would be that it feels calm and that it feels inviting mm-hmm. and that costs me no pennies, you know? And so it it helps to, yeah, just get introspective about, okay, I recognize that I'm feeling discontent with this thing. Is it because of the actual object or is there something else going on that I need to explore a little more that's related to the care of the object, not the object itself? Exactly. And just, I want to kind of piggyback off of that for a second. Um, for, For people who are maybe living at homes that aren't what they envisioned, that aren't their ideal, just because a space has been designated by whomever mm-hmm. <laughs> as a space for something. Like, for example, we have a foyer mm-hmm. and I turned that foyer into a playroom. Yes, yeah. you open my front door and they're just toys, yes. but I took things that I had and I created a designated play space mm-hmm. with like the Melissa and Doug road yeah. Thing. You know, we're talking about the rug, yes. the road rug. Yeah, the rug. Um, it's right there when you walk into my house. Yeah. That's what you wipe your feet on. <laughs> yes. But it's that's a space that serves our family better than having some foyer with chat yeah. keys that my toddler would grab a hold of. And I yeah. you know, rearranged our furniture to make the living room a little bit cozier mm-hmm. to kind of break up the open conceptness of our house and just how much I enjoyed like these little tiny cozy spaces Mm -hmm. that I built for us. For you. Yeah. Ignoring what anybody says that you should be doing or what the aesthetic should be or whatever. And just being like within these four walls, if I'm kind of the gatekeeper of our home, Mm -hmm. I get to decide what we do with this space and who cares what Joanna Gaines would say about it or anybody else, you know, have a cozy living space that we love and are a sweet little family in. The one thing that I have heard you say and oft quoted you on this podcast is how when you do something to save your family money, it is like giving yourself a raise. Mm -hmm. So here's the little thing I like to say, and I I came up with this when um, a few stay-at-home moms expressed guilt about not bringing money into the home, um, especially if they had been before and weren't anymore. I like to say that the definition of making money is anything you do to grow the gap between your income and expenses, and that is just important to raise your income as it is to decrease your expenses. Because what we actually do in personal finance when we're trying to move forward with goals is that the only thing we actually can use is whatever that gap is, whatever the gap between our income and expenses is is the amount of money that we're able to use for uh, forward momentum. So when we decrease an expense, it is identical in terms of what's happening with our finances. It's identical to someone else in the family getting a promotion. They are functionally the same thing. So I have enacted that in our family as, okay, no paychecks are coming in. Um, now Now I am starting to earn money in our family. But for years, for many years, I had no paycheck with my name on it. But I started to see in the way that our budget operated and just the way our home operated 
that it was equally as, if not more important to be the one who could manage the expenses and drive down the expenses so that we had more available to us in that gap as it was to be the one out with a traditional job at a W-2 mm-hmm. and having a paycheck that they could, you know, ask for a promotion. Um, so if someone gets a promotion and it's a thousand dollars a year, I could go out and I could, um, you know, find a way to decrease our expenses by $94 a month. And I've done the exact same thing that they did. Um, and so that was really empowering in that time of my life where I wasn't bringing that paycheck in was that I can give our family a promotion by finding ways to do the exact same things we are doing for less money. Right. And that is, that is what that's called being a home economist. Even if you're not a stay at home parent, yep. if you are bringing in money and running a household, whether it's a home you own, an apartment, the, you know, the home you share with your parents, whatever it is, managing your finances and managing yep. your home is home economics that everyone yes. is doing. Some of us are doing it well and some of us are doing it badly and we're all kind of learning. Yes. But I want to say something about stay-at-home moms very quickly or stay-at-home parents. Um, you're an asset and it kind of breaks my heart a little bit to hear stay-at-home parents say like, I want to bring in an income. I feel like I'm not contributing Your unpaid labor is contributing so much to your family. You know, you are providing clean clothes and meals and childcare for the person going out and earning the paycheck. You're an asset. So just if if you've got some guilt kicking around in your head because you're not, quote, bringing in a paycheck, the skills you're providing are huge. Mm -hmm. And and the recognition that maybe some things would get easier if we went back to work and got a, pay, a traditional paycheck for a job, but then other things would also be harder because we would recognize, we would be forced to recognize the contribution and the gift that we had been as a stay-at-home parent that maybe I might be able to go out and get a, a job um, and bring home a paycheck and I might be excited about that one little component of it. But then at the same time, meal planning would become much harder and you know getting everybody's appointments in on time would become much harder. So the things that we can do as a stay-at-home mom that not only get those things done, but also just make some space in the family schedule for, I can do that at two o'clock. I don't have to wait until 6 p.m. Like both of those things, a paycheck or having that time and space can be gifts to the family, depending on how we receive them and what we do with them. There's not one that's inherently better than the other. Amazing. You are, that is absolutely amazing. Correct. Um, I feel like that, that Lady Gaga meme, you know, the amazing, beautiful, one of a kind. (laughs) Never been done before. Yes, that was Um, about me, actually. That is. (laughs) No, oh no, stop it. That's what I make my husband say to me after every meal I cook. I'm like, okay, do the thing. Show stop. Recite recite Lady Gaga. You should have it memorized by now. Okay. So Carly has several things that she offers. Um, Carly, tell us about them. Yes. So I have three different um, basic products or services that I offer. Uh, Very low entry level is just my $9 budget template, which is simply getting the pay period budget spreadsheet that does, um, it has six pay periods at a time and can calculate for you how much of your take-home pay you are spending in different uh, categories and also can give you a quick rundown without you having to actually calculate by hand if this is my income that I list at the top and these are my expenses that I list below it, how much uh, 
do I have left over in each individual pay period, which is what we talked about before, where we can identify, am I negative in one pay period and the positive in the next? What's the rhythm of my money in, in and out of my bank account? So that is just a $9 template. It's very DIY. You can just grab it for nine bucks and run with it, play around with the numbers and how they would um, shake out for your finances. The second thing that I offer is called a custom budget. So it is a it is this exact same template, but you send me a uh, worksheet that I have that you fill in, and I take all of your financial numbers, everything, your income, your expenses, your debts, um, your what you have coming up on your family calendar in the next three months, uh, your emergency fund, you know how much it has in it, how much versus how much you would like to have in it, and I build into this budget template your next six pay periods, whatever six pay periods are for you. Um, and I just want to say quick, one of the most common, um, things that people think is a hurdle to using a pay period budget is if they have more than one income stream on different pay schedules and they think, well, that wouldn't work because my husband's paid on the 10th of every month and I'm paid every other Friday. I actually think it's even more important to lay your finances out by pay period in that scenario because you have more variables coming in and out at different times and seeing it in a rhythm pattern as opposed to just a summary of the whole month is becomes even more important. So absolutely, it is possible with multiple income streams on different schedules. So with that custom budget, I do have a wait list because I just open spots one time a month uh, to sign up for those because those are the most hands-on in terms of my mm -hmm. time having being able to sit down and really dig into somebody's numbers. Not only do I build the budget, but when I email it to them, I call it my budget novel. I write a very, very long email of exactly how I uh, built their budget with their specific um, number, not only their numbers, but also their frustrations and goals. And then also now that I can see a pretty intimate detail of their true um, financial situation, how I would move forward, what my suggested next, you know, maybe one or two steps would be to just get the ball rolling now that they can see what I see in that budget. So that's the second thing. And then the final thing is uh, my my big pay period budget system. It's a large, large course that I built and recorded uh, in December and January of this year. And the question that I asked myself in order to build this whole course was, what is every tiny detail that I do step-by-step -step to build a budget for someone and how could they do it for themselves? And so I put in each lesson, basically when I'm, when I'm building the custom budgets, the uh, budget system course that I have is taking video recordings of each individual part of that process and empowering someone to build and recreate those budgets indefinitely for themselves. Um, so it is built from a teacher's perspective as much as it is from someone who is in personal finance and very invested in making the teaching clear and making the lesson simple. So there's lots of con content and building a pay period budget is kind of complex, uh, but I stuck to lessons that were less than 12 minutes. So I made it very um, uh, bite off very small pieces at a time so that people can just kind of uh, work at their own pace. So the, to compare the two, the custom budget versus the uh, pay period budget system course is basically like give a man a fish versus give a man teach a man how to fish. So those are the two things. If you need just like, I need somebody to have eyes on my numbers and help give me some clarity to what I should do, the custom budget um, is the 
thing for you because I can give a very um, objective, non-judgmental. I like to tell people you're never going to be the worst budget or the best budget that I've seen. I've seen super, super high earners with super, super high debt. I've seen, you know, college students who just have one small paycheck and they want to get started and everything in between. Um, and then the pay period budget system is once you see the a pay period budget being something that you want to actually commit to for your family's finances, that is going to be lifetime access to actually walking through not just how to build it, but then how do we actually use it in our daily life, correct it when things go wrong, because we both know that our budgets are constantly changing and falling apart. And even the best budgeter is having things go wrong that they're constantly having to fix. That's just part of budgeting. So that's what the course offers. Fantastic. So you really do have something for everyone, for the people yes. who feel like they can manage it, the people who need that like hands-on, and then the people who maybe want to go back and reference things again. Yep. So I think that you've, you've built such a great business model. Thank okay. You. So Carly, where can we find you? Okay. So I'm on Instagram at debtfree.mom. Mm-hmm. And then my website is debtfreemom.co.co. Those are the and, two places I am. And I will leave links in the show notes. So wherever it is you're listening, just swipe over the artwork. Or if you're listening on frugaldebtfreelife.com slash podcast, it will be below the player. So thank you, Carly, for hanging out with us. Y'all just heard me whisper, don't go anywhere. Thank you for hanging out with us. Um, And it's been so great to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to all of you for listening to today's show. And thank you to every single one of you beautiful people who has left a five-star review. I appreciate them. Thank you. You can swipe over the artwork on Apple Podcast or Spotify to leave a review. Thank you for being here. You can find more episodes, like I said, at frugaldebtfreelife.com backslash podcast. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Lydia Sin. Thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging out with me and I will talk to you soon.